Show number 79 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. All right, now we're good. Okay. I was just pressing the wrong button. So here we are in the ultra quiet <laughs> mobile podcasting unit. <clears throat> the new mobile podcasting unit. Yes, it's very exciting. And we are driving back um, from having seen Warp Speed. The Star Trek Improv. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and it was really funny. The end. <laughs> That's all you need to know. It was really funny. These people are very well versed in Trek. And we interviewed, I think, four of them. Yes. After the, after show. the show. So after that, coming up shortly. Yes. And they're all, um, you know into Trek, they know their, their Trek, and they, lo- they love talking about it, and we talk to them about improv and, and rehearsing and what the, you know, what your goals are in each show, and uh, from an audience standpoint, it was just very, very entertaining. Yes, everybody, the crowd was a really nice crowd, laughing at all the right parts, um, getting all the jokes, and um, really playing along with them as they went through it. So I, we should recap the plot, because in the interviews, we kind of talked about the okay, plot. Okay, okay. Um, well, they um, they discovered a planet called Osborne 12. Right, they're on their starship, which is called the USS Fred. Yes. Which was a name suggested by our friend John. Yes. Was tonight, so that was cool. Um, and so they discover Osborne 12, and it's an advanced civilization, but it does not have space technology. Right. And, but they're very advanced. But they're very advanced. And the goal of the crew of the USS Fred is to get them to join the Federation. Right. Um, and and to register with the Registry of Planets. Right. And in order to do that, they're going to go and give them gifts. But they know that the Osborne 12 people have refused this before, right? So they go to the gift bay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and select the gift. Which was a, a biometric scanner. Scanner, I think it's a scanner. And uh, that's going to be their gift. So they, the captain and uh, a couple of crew members beam down, and they meet the Osborne Twelveians, who all have German accents yes. and, and are just very, very funny. I mean, they're just funny. And, and um, make all sorts of dire <laughs> hints about yes. uh, bad things happening. And what happened to the previous year. Right, which was um, their 50 cycles earlier. Captain Bob Wilson. Yes. And so the uh, the Osborne Trillians take them to the giant tower of love, <laughs> which, which is made of flesh. It's made of flesh, <laughs> and don't touch it. You can't touch it. You know, it's forbidden. And um, the uh, the female crew member wants to touch mm-hmm. it very badly. Very badly. And uh, then, <laughs> God, I'm getting this all mixed up. <clears throat> then. Um, this, this one alien, of course, keeps warning them that they are in great danger and their ship is in great danger and he shouldn't be telling them this. And uh, they get, um, somebody on the ship tells them that they're scanning the planet and find it has a huge hollow core. So they find a way of getting down there, the captain and the other male crew member, to explore it. And they find exactly what they're expecting to find, which was God in a bubble. Yep. <laughs> and it was called Ran <laughs> which is a great Trekkian name. Yes. Um, meanwhile, back up on the ship, it turns out that there's a power drain and the throttle mechanism has been fried and all of the spare ones have been damaged as well. And they have no motivation. <laughs> So um, the doctor comes on and gives everybody an adrenaline shot so that they'll be motivated again. And then they have to do some um, reversing of polarity or something like that to get the ship's engines back up to normal. Also, on the surface of the planet, the uh, female crew member is wanting to touch the Tower of Love. And they tell her, her her heart must be pure in order to do this. And to purify herself, she has to um, wash her hands in the blood of her captain. Yep. So she goes down into the core. They're making all this up. Mm-hmm. As, as all improv. Yes. So she goes down to the core and um, tries to kill the captain, but doesn't. And then she decides she wants to touch the bubble, <laughs> which also is forbidden. And uh, the captain has touched the bubble and had this weird reaction. And, and he decides that in order to defeat Ranru, he has to, you know, become Ranru. Mm-hmm. has to become one with him so he he touches it and of course becomes this all-powerful being who forces 
the two crew members to kiss and to strangle each other and kiss and strangle each other. Now stop, now go, now stop, now go. That was very funny. And finally, the, the captain, of course, is able to regain control of himself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then what happened? Um, then that kind of wrapped up that part of it. Um, and he realized when he was at one with Ranru that he sensed another presence. So he goes back. He sends the other crew members back up to the ship, and then he goes back to the core right. and finds out that the guy who was the high priest was actually, get ready for it, Captain, Captain Wilson of the ship that was there before. And he became um, <coughs> so addicted to all of the power that he got from joining with Ranru that he stayed down there and he sacrificed his crew so that he could be in contact with Ranru. So, of course, the captain, Glenn, Glenn, <laughs> Glenn Euripides, Glenn Euripides has to kill Wilson, who was a friend of his, yep. and he does, and he, then, and Wilson dies in a most spectacular yes. fashion. Yes, and so then the captain and everybody else beams back up to the ship, and things are fine, and the Osborne Twelveians contact them and say, yes, we do want to join your federation now and be registered and, and get gifts, mm-hmm. including the Starfleet tote bag. Yes. And they also said, please come back with a catalog. Yes. <laughs> Which was really good. <laughs> so it was a very funny improv. And that was, what, two hours? Um, yes. a, a, little, a little bit less. And it had an intermission. But it's six people doing this. And they're all very, very talented. And most of them play multiple characters in this. And as um, as we were pointing out, they... they um, Again, illuminated some more ship functions for us that we hadn't thought of, such as the the gift bay uh-huh. and having quiet time on the ship, which was great. It was very funny, and the the, the show both began and then ended with quiet time, which they all like. Yes, <laughs> it was very necessary. It's nice to have quiet time on the bridge. Yes, <laughs> that was good. Um, as one of the actors pointed out to us later, they do a very minimalist type of thing, so they don't really have props. Um, they just pretend to be holding guns. They have a couple of chairs that they use for the bridge set. But other than that, they don't use anything else, so it's all evoked through their their improv. Mm-hmm. And to help them um, remember their names and the names of their fellow crew members, they all wear name tags. Yes, which was good. <laughs> and they have some music. They have one guy with a fairly complicated keyboard setup mm-hmm. who provided the music and the sound effects and, and things. And their lighting also is very good. It right. set the mood when things are uh, supposed to be creepy or scary or whatever. Oh, and there was a fight scene. Fight scene was really oh, good. Yes. Oh, my God. Because everybody was fighting yep. everybody else. They had all six people on the stage at once all fighting each other. And it was it was all really, really well done yep. and very funny. It was great. And, of course, the good guys won. Of course. I liked it that the women were punching each other. Mm-hmm. That was great. So, it, <coughs> excuse me. It was uh, a really good show and very different from the last show that we saw. Yes. And they were saying that uh, it was different from the show that they had done the night before. So there really is no set thing that happens in any of the shows. No, except the, they want their story to be very reminiscent of Treks. And, and even though it's silly and lots of fun, they, they want to hit on the, the Trek themes. And that's why I was saying they, they all know Trek, not just, yeah, I've seen it, but, you know, are aware of... Uh, what are the things that have entered into general knowledge and what truly speaks of track? Yeah, and what makes it track, you know? Mm-hmm. What makes a show like that? Oh, that was really, really good. And um, they seem to think that they're going to be doing more of it soon, which is great. Yes. We'll want to see that. And also, um, one of the actors was telling us that they are still doing it in Austin. Right. So if any of you are near Austin and they decide to do it, please go. Yes, Austin, Texas. And tell us what it's like and take notes and try and talk to the crew and, and you know, give us the scoop. And in, in Austin, I believe the show is called Star Trek. Yeah. And it's an, it's an improvised track, and I've seen at least one of the people who's doing it in, in Austin, you know, who runs it there regularly, and one of the actors we were speaking to had gone there and done a show with them. So I, I think you'll be be pretty, pretty darn entertaining. Oh, <coughs> excuse me, I was just thinking as we were um, talking about this that San Francisco area is really a... Um, kind of a, a magnet for these Trek-themed things. It's a hotbed. It really is. Uh, there's an awful lot of 
stuff that happens here. Mm -hmm. And as we had noted before, things that you would never ever see anywhere else, like the gender swapped version yes. of Trek, which was just so good. I wish they would do that again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I keep seeing things about you know Trek episodes being acted out yeah. in, in many different places, and that's the only tranny one yep. I've become aware of. <coughs> but yeah, if you guys go to a Trek events where you are, we want to know about it. We want to hear about yeah, these things. Yeah, it's important to do it. As, as we were saying when we were getting in the car, it, it is really fun to be an active Trekkie mm -hmm. and to push yourself to go out and do things like this that you might not normally do just because it's connected to Trek. Right. I was thinking, too, it is pretty amazing that 40 years after this, it spawned, it continues to spawn creative yeah. outlets for for people who like it. I mean, it's it's not just the fanfic, but now there are the, the fan films mm -hmm. and these live performance things and Shad Fest, which isn't <laughs> directly, you know, Star Trek, but just all these wonderful things going on. It continues to, to live in that way. Yeah, what a thing. Who would have thought that they'd be doing this 40 years later? No. <laughs> no. They're not doing this with... Uh, Lost in space, that's for sure. <laughs> so, one of the things, um, did you want to talk about um, our ideas for what the Star Trek should have done as a Christmas show? Um, I was actually thinking we'd save that for closer to Christmas. Oh, okay. <coughs> Perhaps we can just drop that out to our listeners. That's something to think about. Yeah. What we were thinking was that uh, it, Christmas is coming sooner than we all think because the holidays do sneak up on you like that. And Star Trek never had a Christmas show. They had a Halloween show, mm -hmm. but they never had a Christmas show. They even had a Thanksgiving show. They did. Charlie X. Oh, that's true, with the turkeys. So, um, if Star Trek had had a Christmas show, what would it have been like? And it's my conviction that any Star Trek Christmas show would have had to involve Santa Claus somehow. <laughs> okay. But I, I, I remain firm in that opinion. So if you guys out there have some ideas about what a Star Trek Christmas show should be like, send it in, and we will take some time on our next show to talk about Star Trek and Christmas. All right. And not Spock in the elf suit, because we did that already. <laughs> we and not Helen Noel at the Christmas party. Because we talked about that last time. It was so great. <laughs> I, you know, that's not a Christmas show, right? They no. Just, they, they mentioned it. They mentioned that there was this thing that happened at Christmas. And her name is Helen Noel. Helen Noel. But that doesn't count as a Christmas show. No. No. All right. Well, um, let's take our little break here. Um, and then we will play the interviews that we did with the wonderful cast of the show. So you can hear what they had to say in their own words. And then uh, we'll, we'll just sign off. And um, we'll be back next time with a regular show and probably another episode review. Yay! Yay! yourself and tell us about your role in tonight's performance. Well, um, I'm Dave Dennison. Um, I'm the one of the performers. Um, I'm also I was also directing mm -hmm. these two shows, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm also the artistic director of Bats Improv. So. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is Lena, and I'm Kitty. I don't know how much you know about us, but um, I've heard a brief amount from Laura. But <laughs> okay. <laughs> we do a podcast called Look at His Butt, and we're <laughs> Trek fans, and the butt we're always talking about is William Shatner, which Great. is primo. Yeah. yeah. But um, we attend as many Trek events as mm -hmm. possible, and we've seen uh, Warp Speed. Uh, it was two years ago. Two years yeah. ago, and uh, it was just so good. And the the uh, the incarnation before that, which I think was Keep Trekking, or Star Trekking, Star yeah. Trekking, yeah. Which I so, also did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say I knew you looked familiar, but so we go a long ways back cool. with yeah. being fans of the troupe. Great. So you directed the show, yeah. And one of the questions I had is. Um, how? What is the rehearsal process like for something as specific as okay, we got to do this Star Trek improv? I'm assuming you can't just do improv exercises and say we're ready. Well, um, I, I think there are certain things that really uh, each genre has has challenges, and I think for any kind of sci-fi, um, especially for for Star Trek, I think it's it, you can get caught up in the science fiction, caught up in the science, 
and it's really hard to improvise science to get up there and just make stuff up. Um, so first of all, I make it okay for people to say, you know, when it comes down to a science moment or you have to explain something scientifically, anything you say is right. Don't worry about it. And whatever comes out, the rest of the, the people on stage will justify. Um, I also, for me, I think directors, in because a lot of different people have directed this, um, I really wanted to do like some of my what I thought were the best episodes. So I really wanted to see if we could hit kind of tragedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, and I said, you know, for the sake of this, let's just assume that the main story is about the captain. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's let's put the captain in peril and have something um, have, have him have to make a tough choice at some point, mm-hmm. and also uh, maybe lose something at the end. So. Mm-hmm. Those were those were some of the things that uh, that uh, I, you know, we focus on, and you know, for for uh, there's kind of bits and pieces that are different for this show. Just like, uh, you know, we come up with a thing for beaming people up and down from mm-hmm. the ship, and that's really just something we work out with the lighting, the, the person that does the lights, mm-hmm. and, and you know, that maybe takes ten minutes to to go over. Uh, and we play around with the opening. We do it a little bit differently every time. But um, it's really good for people to watch a lot of, of Star Trek. I've watched a lot <laughs> yeah. of Star Trek. Um, there's certain, there are certain acting style things. Um, you know, w- watching Star Trek, one of the things that they have is a lot of close-ups. And it can be r- really hard to do that on a stage because you can't actually move the audience up close. Um but I, I said, you know, there are certain conventions like you can always sort of turn out to the audience. You can have conversations where you're both looking out at the audience, mm-hmm. kind of a, mm-hmm. a soap opera thing. Uh, but, yeah, different. The parking casting? No, I don't mean with that. Um, I, I, we thought that everybody seemed to have a pretty good grasp of Trek. Yeah. And there were many Trekish moments within yeah. it that are instantly recognizable. And um, the funniest things that, that I was noticing is. Um, things that you would never know, see happening in Trek, but that would happen in real life. And I think the funniest thing for me was when um, the captain, when you were on stage and um, you were talking about Donna, and then you got the transmission from the ship, and then it was all the plot information. And the captain said, "So about Donna." And yeah. it was so funny because that's exactly what a real person would do. But of course, the captain would never do that. Yeah. And just that 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 meshing, that contrast right there was just brilliant. It was yeah. so funny. Yeah. It was so Trek, and yet so parody of Trek at the same time. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, yeah. It's, I really tried to kind of leave things open for people, you know, to not feel constricted. Because mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. another problem with this when it's a sort of a specific genre is sometimes people feel constricted and wondering, well, can I do that? Mm-hmm. You know, I said, just do it. You know, if you look at the, the original, you know, Star Trek, that's, there are so many things that happen in there that perhaps you don't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, uh, there's a lot that's wide open. And you, don't, you shouldn't feel restricted to do the most familiar things. Mm-hmm. Do the things that are right in the moment. Well, and um, one of, one of the things you you did tonight, and you've done similar things in other shows that we just adore, is to introduce these aspects of ship life that we never think about, <laughs> such as the gift bay, <laughs> which we loved. Oh and I remember God, years so years ago in one of the shows, I saw um, the the evil alien turned good, and they brought him into the ship as part of the contingent, and they told him he was now Skippy, the ship's clown. <laughs> and for the two of us, that just set off this whole. You know, question of what are these other things you have yeah. on the ship, and it's wonderful to see other people, you know, pushing that. The gift bay, so funny. Yeah, so there's, there's, funny. you know, 430 crewmen, <laughs> you know, and how many, how many does it really take to run a ship, mm-hmm. and um, what are the things that they do to entertain themselves? Right. We've done that. We've actually sat down and made lists of the most obscure jobs on the ship. <laughs> the, you know, whenever they have to have costumes to go down onto the ship, like dressed like the natives, there has to be a person who's the ship's embroiderer, and yeah. that's all they do. Yeah. It's just yeah. embroidery. <laughs> It's all her union will let her do. It's true. It's true. Very true. When, when you're doing a show, do you ever, um, you personally, do you feel like you're ever channeling any of the actors from the original show? Um, it's, it's hard when you're doing the captain to not be a little bit Kirk. Mm-hmm. Um, I really try not to, and yet it's still, there's something that's, for me, I mean, that's just the ultimate captain. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's hard not to have some of that mm-hmm. um, because he's got all of these great qualities. 
and another thing that I really focus on with the, the, the people when we're doing this is I want them to be like really very competent crewmen, to be hyper competent, because that's what I remember from the show. It's like mm -hmm. everybody could do anything, mm -hmm. and the captain especially, he could do anything. He could man any station, mm -hmm. you know. He had a theory for everything. He had a <laughs> he had a metaphor. He had a <laughs> he had a piece of history. He had a he had a little you know. That's why he's the goddamn captain. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And then even but the people that are below him, it's like they could all be. They're all qualified to be mm -hmm. captains too. Mm -hmm. It's like they all could be that good. So. Definitely. Yeah. Well, you definitely had a touch of McCoy when you came on as the doctor. Yeah, yes. the adrenaline injection. That was really good. It was very subtle, but it yeah. was really good. That was great. So. Um, When's the next Trek show? I know you did two this weekend. Well, uh, that's kind of up to the next artistic director. I mean, we've got uh, we've got a full um, we've got a lot of different formats that we do here, but mm -hmm. it's it's certainly a fun format, and it does it does very well. It does attract an audience, so <laughs> that's important. There's enough Trekkies in the world. Yeah, yeah. there <laughs> are enough Trekkies in the world, and there are, are enough people that uh, you know, even if they don't identify themselves as Trekkies, will. Um, Maybe just sneak in here. And, and they know it. It's <laughs> yeah. familiar to everyone. Yeah. It's very familiar. They identify yeah. that is this generally a fun show for the crew to do? I it mean, is. The Star Trek one in particular? Like I, you know, they're all, they're all fun. Mm -hmm. but, but I think this one is. And um, it's, uh, it, when, it go, when it's going really well, it has a, just a nice momentum mm -hmm. that just the audience picks up on. And, and it just keeps building and building. Mm -hmm. and, and it's funny, even when we're trying to, to make it tragic, um, and of course, when I'm, I'm aiming for tragedy, I'm not necessarily aiming for somberness. Mm -hmm. It's just I want, I, and and I actually would like it if you know we're aiming for tragedy and there's and it starts out like really positive mm -hmm. and you don't know the tragedy is coming. But even when that's happening, even if we're really successful, the audience is laughing hysterically mm -hmm. just for the things that come up. Well, I mean, you, you, point, you bring up a good point, which is that the tragedy, I, I can give this away since people are going to be hearing this after the show's yeah, over, but yeah. in, in the, the, the thing that happened that was tragic tonight was that the captain had to kill a friend of his, yeah. which has happened on the real show, yeah. um, which was very sad. And you guys played it really dramatically right up until the point when you started to die, yeah. which became hysterical because <laughs> of the fact that it was just all over the place. And it went and on so long. <laughs> And yeah, on and yeah, on and yeah. on and on, and that, that was great. Yeah. It was really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you work almost exclusively with the improv group, or do you do other, you know, more set types of performing, acting with other I, groups? I actually, I do uh, pretty much just improv. I've just done a very tiny amount of, of scripted work. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually a little scared of scripted work. Uh, I'm very comfortable doing improv, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. I'll do like 50 or 60 shows a year. Wow. Um, but it's it's just the most fun thing in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, most of my life is just spent between improv performances, <laughs> waiting for the next one. <laughs> well, Dave, thanks very thanks much, so much for giving us well, thanks for having this me. time yeah. And, yeah. and such a wonderful show. Yeah, well, thank you for I coming. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> thank you great. for coming. Yeah, um, I, I, I can definitely say that sometime in the next year, uh, there, there will probably be. Yay. And great, because I'm on the bats list, so great. you know I get the stuff, and, and I always watch out for this. Great, yeah. my we, favorite. We will so be here. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, thank you. All right, thanks a lot. Thank okay. you. Uh, my name is Richard Ross. I've been improvising for a long time and watching Star Trek longer. And uh, tonight, I was uh, an unnamed uh, bad guy from the planet Osborne Twelve with a German accent. With a German accent, <laughs> um, and then I was also, uh, I guess, I was Ensign Ebola. Mm-hmm. That's um, a good name. I wanted scurvy. I tried to shout oh. that out really loud. I wish I had heard I scurvy. Love that word. It's just such a funny word. It's a great word. <laughs> um, with the German accents, did you guys all agree on that, or did that just start? No, I came out and I just decided to be German. <laughs> okay, it was good. It worked really well. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, especially because when the actual Enterprise visited the planet of the Nazis, no one had German accents. So <laughs> there was, it was no great accent. That you brought at all. that in. So. <laughs> Is this the first Trek show you've done? No, uh, I used to be part of another group called Star Trekking. Oh, okay, yeah, and I remember seeing Star Trekking. Yeah, and so then I'd be uh, back away with you guys. And we used to do that. And I've been out to Austin, Texas, a few times and taught the, some of the Austin improvisers Star Trek. And mm -hmm. I was there a few months ago and did mm -hmm. a show with them. It was really fun. They yeah. have a huge set. They've gone way crazy with the really? camp. Really? Yeah. Oh, we may have to do a field trip to Austin. To Austin? Yeah, <laughs> when they're doing it again, it's it's worth it. Their sets, yeah. they're, it's really nice. 
you know, more like Star Trek and used to be. Mm-hmm. And then uh, here at Bats, we've decided to go more minimal yeah. and yes. really just well, do relationship. I remember that when we saw Star Trek and they did have more of a set. And yeah. we remember we got to play. It was the, like a captain's chair. Well, we were playing the um, the war the rift in the time space continuum for that particular. Oh, show. right, right, right. Yes, yes. that was good. <laughs> That's always um, nice. We were really admiring your um, pantomime of what you were doing. <laughs> oh, when you were oh my God! I was eating my sandwich at, at the console, <laughs> and you know, and then just you were turning the the. Um, so busy. Wheel. <laughs> that was, was got to be something. It was wonderful. It Thank was you. it was very good, and you know, it just again created a, a really fun reality there. And we we were talking with Dave about one of the things we like is you guys introduced so much of ship's life that we never saw on the <laughs> show, but it has to be there. People having their sandwich on the bridge, or, you know, these things. That's great. Thank you. Um, what the the thing about your 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 evil German character that developed was the um, the evasiveness, which was really funny. <laughs> like, was that a choice that you made at the beginning, or did that, that was, just sort of come out? That was you? me waffling. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't. Get myself into gear tonight for some reason. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, uh, when the first scene happened and there was the bridge crew and I wasn't, everyone else was bridge crew, mm-hmm. but I wasn't bridge crew. And I was going, should I get on the bridge? Oh, I'll be the alien. And then I just kind of couldn't make decisions for a little while. And then I was just stuck into it. But it worked. It, 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 very I'm glad it worked. Yeah, it worked really um, well. I liked when Dave came out and, and, and busted me. <laughs> That's more information than you've given anyone. Because then, then the next scene I could come out and tell them the information they had already discovered. Yes. So I like the was, meta joke. It was good, but the, I think the waffling actually worked into what happened at the very end when your character was supposed to go kill himself, but then didn't. Then wouldn't <laughs> kill himself? It's inter- there's, there's such a balance when you're making up a show like that. It's, it's generally better to make decisions and to say things than it is to put them off because mm-hmm. you can get into trouble. Uh, if if you put them off, then things kind of spin out of control and it becomes a big mush. Mm-hmm. Um, but these guys, this is a ni- really nice cast, really good mm-hmm. skilled cast. So they're we're all able to kind of make sure it doesn't go insane. That's great. So you're you're a Trek fan from a long time ago. Yeah, since which, I was a kid. Which series? Which series do I like? Yeah. I like uh, I like most of the original series. Mm-hmm. There's some of them I just can't watch. I can't watch Spock's brain. <laughs> That has such camp value, I though. Can't, I can't watch Leonard Nimoy walk for 15 minutes because there's 15 <laughs> minutes of him walking, and it, I can't do it. And um, other than that, I think I like um, I like The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those two. So did you feel, when you're doing a show like this, do you ever feel like um, you're drawing on any particular character in, in the show, or is it just kind of any crewman? It's kind of any crewman. I, I, I try to remember, like, Bones, mm-hmm. because he's got so much emotion. Mm-hmm. I, can, um, I was just watching uh, the Sitting on the Edge of Forever, mm-hmm. where at the beginning he just, Murderers! <laughs> assassins! <laughs> that, that kind of emotion is always fun to play in any character. If mm-hmm. Try to find that moment to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had a lot of different roles tonight. I mean, you were you were the the evil German guy. You were a crewman, but then you were sort of coming on as different crewmen. You weren't always the same. No, crewman. it wasn't always the same yeah, crewman. Is it hard to do that? It it can get confusing, and it's a six person cast, which mm-hmm. is smallish. Um, so we're always trying to fill out the the ship mm-hmm. because there's 420 people or something on the ship, and. Um, it's always hard to remember to play multiples in such a small cast that we have. So um, I often, if it's a scene on the ship and the main crew has already left, I just try to be somebody else on the ship. Doing something interesting while you're steering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not too interesting. It can't be too interesting. It's got to be, it's whatever, because I get bored of turning the dial, mm-hmm. you know, or moving the three sliding switches up and down. So sometimes I'll have coffee. In other shows, I've had a thermos, <laughs> which has got to be the worst thing on the bridge. If, if we had attacked, it's going to splash. Um, I, I just really like the fact that in one of the scenes where um, uh, Commander Tiffy was um, kind of wrapping it up and then it was almost the go-to-commercial thing, and you ended up by saying, and I'll keep steering the ship. And and keep- was just, it was such a perfect little coda to that scene because that's what they do, and you always feel like that's what Sulu should be saying. Yeah, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. <laughs> We don't have the the, uh, the benefit of a producer or a writer fading out. That's right. So we've had to come up with ways of getting out of scenes, mm-hmm. right. like turning your head mm-hmm. and looking straight at the light booth. 
which is not good in a podcast because you can't see my head turning. <laughs> but that that kind of moment when they all look out and mm-hmm. then they go to commercial. Yep. Or repeating. You should have commercials. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, improvise. Improvise commercials. We could do commercials. I'll tell Dave. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a wonderful show. And uh, it was wonderful, as always, to see you again. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for coming and uh, sure. talking. We, we'll w- we will always be at a track show. Fantastic. <laughs> cool. All right. Thanks a lot. Sure. Should I send someone else in? Send yes, somebody please. else. All right. John tonight played the captain, Captain Euripides, um, Euripides. which is a great name for a captain, isn't yes. it? Captain uh, Glenn Euripides. <laughs> <Yeah. turned> <laughs> Of course. <laughs> what else would he be called? With two ends. Is Glenn with two ends? Yeah, are you sure of that? I am sure about that. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. So, um, so tell us a little bit about what what you were doing tonight and your role in the show. All right. Well, uh, to, what was I doing? I was the captain, and um, we were improvising. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just being kind of captainy and. Uh, using my crew to help figure out whatever the problem was and also being proactive and trying to do some things myself. So, well, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, uh, at the beginning of the show, for our our listeners' information, um, you guys allow the audience to give you your names. Right. And um, two props. Right. The name of the ship. And the name of the ship. That's right. And uh, so how do you decide who's going to be the captain? Is there a fight backstage? No, there's no fighting backstage. It's just sort of a, it's a very organic thing. We know that probably Dave wasn't going to do it tonight because he was captain last night. So that takes him out. And we pretty much know we're going to, well, we don't have to start out with the bridge, but lately we've been doing that. So we know that the bridge is out there. So whoever sits in the, the first two chairs, that's the navigation and what is that, helm control. So they're not the captain. And then it looked like Casey was going to be the captain because he was in the captain's chair, but he turned out to be just sitting in there. He mentioned the captain. Mm-hmm. So it was going to be me or Rich Ross. And and I looked at him. He was on one side of the stage. I was on the other. And I'm like, I'm pointing at him going, you go. And then he's pointing at me, you go. And then I actually, we actually, had, we've never done this before. We kind of did a rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> In the dark, you know, we're each on the other side of the stage, and I think I had rock and he had scissors, so it looked like I won. So I just, uh, that's when I became the captain. I think that's how Starfleet assigns ships. Rock, paper, scissors in the future, sure. Do the women get to be captain? They they are open to be captain as well. Okay. That's, yeah, when we practice, we let everybody try to be captain. So there's no restriction on that. That's great. Um, Now, is it, so you and, um, I'm trying to think, a couple of the other people only played one role. Right? You weren't more than one person. The captain generally will only play one role, but um, everyone else is open to play many roles. Mm-hmm. In this, it, you need, we only have six, so people really need to play multiple roles. Mm-hmm. Um, is it better or worse not getting to play multiple roles? <sighs> well, it's, there's, there are different challenges mm-hmm. to play multiple roles. It's, it's a lot of fun to play multiple roles. You have a lot of things you can do. You can really... I think almost in a way you have more control over the story if you're not the captain. Mm-hmm. The captain is proactive and stuff, but everyone else throws out a lot of information because it's improv. And it just, I think there's more opportunity to play different things when you're, when you're in another role. Uh, so either way, I mean, the captain, the captain always, we, we, one of the things that we played with was always saying how competent that we are. Uh, that always the crew has to be competent, the captain has to be competent. You never question the captain, captain's competency. So you just have to be competent. <laughs> <laughs> do you, uh, when you're the captain, if anybody is the captain, do you feel more responsible in a way in, in part of the show since you're the main character? In this show, anyway, you were the main character. Well, uh, well you play a character who's more responsible, but it does, as an improviser, it doesn't make you doesn't. more responsible. Mm-hmm. No, we all, we all have responsibility to move the story forward and make things happen. Um, and it's just a matter of who has an idea, you know, who gets it, we call it a hit. You know, who's got a hit, who's got an idea, who can bring this together. Um, and that's the way we play it. There was some. I I did have a hit at the end, which I, which worked out nicely. I think when it turned out that we the captain we thought was dead mm-hmm. turned out to be alive, which we were just talking how that's you know that's, that's at least that's at least three or yeah. four episodes. <laughs> yes, but it didn't occur to me until just before really? I did it. Oh. 
Yeah, mm -hmm. no, there was no, there was no talking about it during the break or anything. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, like I say, it just it, uh, maybe a minute before that happened, I, I was just thinking about how, um, like, we didn't save anybody from the crew, and then all of a sudden, I got this idea of the captain's alive. Mm -hmm. That guy's alive, and he's been turned. And I was just talking to Dave in the back, and and another good thing about that was that his character um, was taken over by the entity. Mm -hmm. My character also did the same thing, but mine was able to sh shrug it off, which made me very, very captainy. You know, yes. Kirk would have done that too. Yeah, so yeah, it, you know, so sometimes we back into these these uh, real Star Trek uh, nuggets. You know, these parts of the genre that really work. It seems almost inevitable that the story went end up that way because it's Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, if it hadn't occurred to me, it, it, it wouldn't happen. So yeah, it, yes, it's nice that it happened that way. We don't know what's going to happen. So t tell us a little bit about during the, the break, the intermission, um, is there discussion, what we're going to do? Um, no. No. <laughs> the, the short answer, no. All we do is we go over each other's names, our different characters, and what has just, maybe some of the things that have happened, some of the plot points. That's it. There's no discussion of what's going to happen next. It wouldn't, it wouldn't help. It <coughs> wouldn't make it better. It would probably make it worse because... Uh, no, it's the whole idea of Im uh, improvising is to just play with what's in the moment and use what people give you mm -hmm. and not to lead with any certain idea. Mm -hmm. How do you decide when you're at the end of Act One? Uh, mostly by time mm -hmm. and if it's a uh, if it's sort of an exciting moment. Um, and a sort of a cliffhanger, and that, that sort of happened here. We've had we've had ones that were bigger, and we've had ones that haven't been as defined. But it's just time. So time or and or uh, excitement level. Mm -hmm. it, it seemed like the structure of the show tonight was very much like a TV show, in that um, there was a lot of setup at the beginning, and then there was some excitement right before the break. Then you came back, and then there were two separate spots of a lot of excitement where you got possessed by Ranru. And then the final climax where you have to confront the old captain, which is very much like um, a, a regular Star Trek episode where you have these 15-minute increments and you know, there's a little climax at the end of them. I mean, does it, do you just have a natural feel for how it's going to flow like that or do you really have to push it to, to come to those little action climaxes? Well, first of all, thanks for, for thinking that it was th that, you know, on, it just on target. That way. I mean, it, that's the way it comes out. Yeah. Uh, well, it happened last night, and it sort of happened organically last night. We noticed that that as the as it progressed in the second half, it was going fat. We were cutting nicely in between, going back and forth, and we talked about how that was cool, and we wanted to do it again, and and I think we did, mm -hmm. you know. So um, so that's in the back of our minds. Mm -hmm. But there's no, we don't we don't know when a scene's over, and it's just, I mean. We don't plan it. We just know. And the light person's also largely responsible for that, too. And we talked to him before the show and said, you know, we can let the first scenes go a little longer for exposition. And then just to build up steam towards the end, you know, cut quicker cuts. So. Did you do sort of a post-mortem after the show to talk about the things you felt worked or? Yeah, a post-mortem. Uh, sometimes we do. Uh, sometimes we don't in different genres. It depends who's directing. This show, we did not. Uh, we did a Q&A session last night, so we just talked about our process, but we didn't, there's not, a, we don't do a lot of critiquing, you know, a formal critiquing after the show. Some shows we do that. Uh, we might just informally talk in the green room or the, the uh, dressing rooms about what happened and what we liked or what we didn't like, so that's about the extent of that. So what's your favorite Trek episode? My favorite Trek, one of my favorite Trek episodes is uh, City on the Edge of Forever. Um, I love that one. I, you know, another one I also like is, I can't remember the name of it, uh, I really love the, um, the one where they fight the battles with computers. You know the name of that one? With, 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 they've, been, they've been warring with computers and they have to go to the termination oh, chambers. Uh, Taste of Armageddon. Yeah, Taste, Taste of Armageddon. Yes. I love that one. I love Mirror Mirror. Uh, I mean, you know, so many of them. But uh, I, I just love City on the Edge of Forever just for that, that moment where, where Kirk has to stop 
bones from saving a woman he loves. And that's just a beautiful, dramatic, I mean, you just, that's great. Oh, I got another one, uh, <laughs> uh, which is another, another great writing, which is um, Spock's fa uh, father coming onto the ship. Mm -hmm. And again, that whole, they, the way they create the dilemma of Spock has to be captain, but he also has to save his father, mm -hmm. and he has to make this very difficult choice. And it's very logical what he does is, you know, make sense. He, he's got a lot of things he has to take care of, and his mother is chastising him. Mm -hmm. and, he's, and he says, you know, if circumstances were normal, he would do it, but they weren't. So I love that one. And then Kirk comes back, you know, and he's all <laughs> injured. I love that one. Oh, and Galileo 7, another favorite. <laughs> See, we don't have time to list my favorites. What's your favorite? <laughs> uh, mine right now is pretty much Dagger of the Mind, and yours is always, always Mirror Mirror. Mirror I Mirror. love that episode. Love There's Mirror. so much in that that's good. Um, we've talked a lot on the show about what makes a good Trek episode, and one of the things that we keep coming back to is a really good episode of Trek, and it doesn't matter if it's TOS or TNG, is that it's always about somebody having to make a decision. It's not about putting the captain in danger or that, but there's always a problem or a decision that has to be made. And the ones that you just cited were, in fact, those. And in tonight's show, you actually had to do that as mm -hmm. the captain. You had and to it's decide. decisions that have consequences. Yep. Right. Personal it's, and action, yeah. <laughs> I guess. Right, right. Um, yeah, it's sort of that Sophie's Choice kind of mm -hmm. a thing. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, yeah, like... Which one is Dagger of the Mind, by the way? Um, <laughs> it's the one with Helen Noel and... Uh, they go down to the the planet for uh, it's a mental institution. It's a mental institution. Oh, okay. And, uh, and the guy puts Kirk in the chair and you know plants these false memories. Makes him fall in love with yeah. her. The Christmas party. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. 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 But that was the guy from Barney Miller. Yes. Yeah. Inspector Luger. What, I mean, what, what's his name? His uh, real name is James. James um, Gregory. Yeah. James Gregory, yeah. Yes. Yeah. But always Inspector Luger. Barney Miller, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, I like to. I break up the world into people who have been on Star Trek and people who haven't been on Star Gee, Trek. Gee, just like us. <laughs> so, did you personally do any um, Star Trek prep before you guys started working on this show? Like, did you watch a lot of episodes? I, you know, I'm I'm one of the bigger Star Trek fans, uh, so mm -hmm. I didn't need to. I've, I've seen every episode a million times, you know, including uh, Next Generation. And I think one of my favorites in that one is the uh, the one where Picard lives that life. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. a good one. The inner light. Inner light. Yeah. But we don't do uh, we don't do next generation. I think that would be hard. There's too much talking. Well, and next generation, although it was a very good show, just is not as much part of the universal language as original series is. Yeah, I no, think. And and there's a lot of shorthand with the original series that you can get across just by the color of the shirts. Oh yeah. And the style of the costumes that immediately give people a frame of reference where you I don't think you could do that with TNG. Did it bother you that I was wearing blue and I was the captain? I didn't really notice <laughs> it. At one point I noticed you were on stage with somebody who had on the gold shirt and I thought, hmm, you know, but that's because we're just very conscious of right. all these um, details, you know, just going way back with track and the obsession with it. It didn't yeah. bother me, though. No, it didn't I bother me. At the beginning, I, I saw that everybody had different dresses. I, said, I wonder if that's going to mean that they're in different roles. And then when it, it didn't, it was like, okay, whatever. And yeah. you just go with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about the new movie that's coming out? I am trying really <laughs> hard to avoid all the spoilers so okay. that I can see it, you know, just without expectation. And, of course, I've, you know, been following the casting rumors, but as far as plot and stuff, um, you just want it to be... I just, you know, when I saw all the other movies, I knew nothing about them. I just, you know, went in and, and let it happen for me. And so I, I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping they, they knock it out of the ball, ballpark. I'm hoping it's really good, but I'm just really having trouble wrapping my head around someone else being Kirk. Yeah. It's very difficult for yeah. me. Yeah. yeah, it was probably inevitable, though, huh? Oh, yeah. What about uh, favorite movies? I know now I'm interviewing you. Uh, that's okay. We'll talk forever about Trek. Uh, in, um, in Trek, my favorite movie is um, Wrath of Khan. Mm -hmm. yeah. And my second favorite Star Trek movie is Galaxy Quest. Okay. <laughs> Why is there always that smashy thing? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, that's a funny movie. That's great. Uh, yeah, I think Khan and uh, a four. The, uh, the, whales. the whales. I just love that one because it's San Francisco and mm -hmm. the, yeah, there's so much about that one. I, I really like four, but two is great too. It's the, How about you? It's six, actually. I really like six. Undiscovered Country. Yes. Yeah, good one. That's a good one. It's because it's, it's deep. It's, we were talking about this. We did a whole show where we had an argument. Well, we talked about how you can tell whether it's good. And, you know, it's the even-numbered ones that are good. Right. And um, it's, it's a true thing if you actually look at all the different movies. So the next one that's coming out 
is... Uh, Ten. Eleven. Twelve. Oh, eleven. <gasps> eleven. Yeah, twelve. Three, so that's a problem. Mm. But they could break it, you know? You know, three... I looked at three again some about like a year ago. Not, like not, not the worst. No. Not five the oh, worst. No, no. Oh, five was... Shatner's folly. Yeah. <laughs> that was just a It's big. really hard for me to decide if five is worse than one or better. I mean, they're like in a tie in my head for being unwatchable. Five is awful. Yeah. Awful. We watched awful. it recently with um, this thing called Rift Tracks, which is the guys from Mystery Science Theater 3000. Oh, really? Commentary. It was great that way. Oh, yeah, you got to really, do it that really way. Really, really good that way. Yeah, I, uh, you awesome. saw them live? Actually, I have seen them live, but this is a recorded thing that you can get off their site. And, y- and it's you an play it while you're watching your DVD. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, Because they don't have the rights to it, probably. Yes, that's right. Brilliant. Yes. So Brilliant. They are funny live, though. I saw them at the SF Sketch Fest when they did Daredevil. I heard about oh, that. Oh, my God. It was so funny. I fell out of my chair laughing. I love the MST3K guys. I love that. They're brilliant. Oh. So if you have to ever watch Five again, go to the Rift Track site and download it. It costs like three bucks, and it's totally worth it. What's uh, give that name again, please? Spell it. Rift Tracks. R I F F T R A X. And they've got other truck movies up there. We just haven't gotten around to watching them. Rift Tracks. Okay. We we tested with Five, and it was truly worth it. It was, and it it made Five watchable. (laughs) It was like the only way that I was going to get through that. The whole thing. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you guys so oh, much for coming. With us. Oh, it was my yeah, pleasure. And we'll definitely be at the next show. Oh yeah! Yay! <laughs> we, we, we always are. Tell your friends. We do. We brought improv. with us tonight who, who loved it as well. So. Yeah. And we're at uh, improv.org. Okay. Okay. That's we'll so you know. For sure. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, guys. Sure. Cool. Yeah. Right. Okay. So we're talking to Laura now, who uh, we have seen, or at least I have seen in. Uh, Star Trekking and warp speed, and we go, we go back a, a ways as yeah. far as you know, just that sort of peripheral contact. So, tell us a little bit about your role in the show tonight, and what you were doing, what you were happy with. Well, I played a Vulcan. I actually played a couple characters, I think. Named Tiffy. Named Tiffy. Great name for a Vulcan. It started with a T. It started with a T. <gasps> it was great. Uh, I decided to to be a Vulcan. I was not a Vulcan last night. I was more a bunch of humans, maybe one alien. I just absolutely love Star Trek, especially the original series. I'm a huge fan, a huge geek, and I've just loved it forever. So I just thought, how fun would it be to play a Vulcan? So... That's what I did. And you also played one of the evil German aliens. Yes, I did, who had a terrible accent that came in and out. I couldn't keep it to <laughs> save my life. <laughs> yeah, woohoo, that's improv. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just, you just go with it. Yes. So, um, you know, when I've seen the show before, I've seen you play a Klingon a couple of times, mm-hmm. and you, you're just remarkable at that. I always, always remember that. And I also remember the last time we saw you, we were talking about how your role within the the troop outside of you know being a crew member or something was you were the person who came on and and sort of picked up all the loose ends and and tied them all together tonight there wasn't so much of that going on the storyline seemed a little more direct yes um that i remember that show in particular i was kind of the cleanup batter that evening and uh we did we had one rehearsal and then we had a show last night so we were really warm tonight and ready to go and and so yeah it was just a little bit more of a direct storyline like you say you had a great part, I thought, in tonight because you had the ship story while the, the people down on the planet had the planet story. And the ship story was all about you being in command, which was really good, um, and pulled on some things that were brought up right in the very first scene about, you know, the brain and the heart and all mm-hmm. that stuff. <laughs> and then it just went in that wacky direction about the ship's motivation, which was so funny. <laughs> that oh, was my God. That was hilarious. Oh, good. I was like, come on. So, so it was... It was one of those things I was wondering as you were doing it. It started off by um, the usual sort of Star Trek thing, like, oh, the power levels are dropping. And then it turned into motivational power, like the ship doesn't have a purpose. Mm -hmm. Did that just come out, or had you guys thought about that? No, we did not think about it. What I was trying to do, because I like being really specific with the information, getting it out there. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to know the exact problem with the ship, because in the previous scene that was where it was talked about, it was very sort of vague. So I just wanted to find out the problem, see what we could do. And then um, it's one of the other improvisers that said it was motivational. And I was like, what does that mean? You know, it's the steering. You know, we have power, but we can't steer. And no one has any motivation to steer anyways. That was brilliant. Yeah, so, so we, we just listened to each other. <laughs> yes. That was brilliant. It was. But it also answered the question. So that, oh, then we had something to work with. Yeah. 
And then the adrenaline stimulant was also <laughs> very, very good. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Well, it was also, we, we were talking with, with Dave before about how there were very Star Trek moments in the show, and that was definitely one of them. Like, there's a problem with the ship, and then there's a problem with the crew, and the doctor comes on and he's to give everybody injections or medicine or whatever, and, and then you have to do something with the warp core to make it That's never been tested. Right. Yes. Only once and it failed. Yes. <laughs> so all those things were, were just classically Trek, but with that little twist on it, like the yeah. motivational power, that was great. Uh, cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. So um, I'm, I'm a little interested in, in uh, things you've done as a performer. Obviously, I've seen you doing improv. Do you perform in scripted plays as well? Or is you know, I used to. I used to be a scripted actor who came into improv when I moved to the city because I didn't know how to break into the uh, scripted scene here. Once I started doing improv, it was so fun. I, I haven't stopped doing improv. So the scripted work I do now is not very much. It might be a 24-hour film fest or I might do like little independent film or something, but it's mainly improv. I do improvise Shakespeare, improvise movies, normal improv, short form, like Whose Line, all that stuff. And, and because this is a Star Trek show, is this one of your favorite things? It is one of my favorites. Like I said, I love Star Trek. How fun to go in the universe and make up an episode. It's great. <laughs> it's like, hello, I love it. <laughs> and to have people enjoy watching your made-up episode. That yeah, it's be a huge kick. Yeah, well, you know, Star Trek is something amazing, and it's something part of like the shared experience, mm-hmm. and to be able to do a show that is a part of that world and to be able to share it with an audience who's pretty much most of them are if they're here they already must appreciate star trek or maybe they're just interested but it's just so fun to be able to share that experience with them does the star trek universe give you some fairly um well-defined parameters to work in like stuff that can happen and stuff that can't happen yeah we we talk about the world and we throw around the technology we don't worry about the science you know obviously Um, (laughs) they didn't yeah yeah they would have (laughs) gaps and stuff so we just make sure that we're all in the same world but we don't we pretty much it's like instead of saying let's not do this let's say let's just have fun do whatever you want you can make big mistakes just have fun well it was a great show. I was so glad to see you guys performing again because I think it had been like about two years. Yeah, it had been a while. Yeah. We took a break from doing it, and I'm I'm really pushing for more, so hopefully there will be more. I mean, yeah. there will be, and it's just a matter of time. Mm-hmm. We're doing some uh, a theater sports tournament for a couple few months, I think. And Anyways. That's great. Well, we will definitely be here for the next one. Oh, it's yes. just so much fun. Well, thanks, you guys, for coming. It's so great to have well, you. Well, th- thanks for um, helping us set all this up as yeah. well. Oh, anytime. Good. Cool. Cool. All right. Thank you. Thanks so much.